Hello, everyone, and welcome to Coffee with Innovate Finance, our podcast series where we speak to leaders across industry to talk about financial innovation and fintech. My name is Rolf Merchant. I'm part of the team at Innovate Finance. And today I'm delighted to be joined by Ed Maskelbekas, who is CEO of BUD. Ed, thank you very much for joining us. No pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Well, it's it's great to have you, and thanks for taking the time to speak with us today. Um, BUD, a really interesting company that's grown you know, really impressively, uh, all focused on open banking, which is, of course, a, a fascinating topic as well. Um, Ed, I think we'll come on to BUD and what you do in just a little bit, but it's always interesting to hear about fintech CEOs and their background. So I think we'll start there. So could you just tell us a bit about you know, your career to date and how you came to lead BUD? Yeah, sure. Um, I guess I'd like go back on like some general themes in my life. I think for the first like 24 years of my life, I thought I was going to be a professional rugby player. And that was uh, that was kind of my um, what I thought was my calling. It turned out I didn't really have the talent um, to make it. So I kind of luckily enough, I realized that sort of early enough to, to switch over careers and, and went into um, sort of sales and and you know, my first job was selling um, sales training, which was a bit of a sort of baptism of fire. So you had to sort of demonstrate all the the training and those capabilities um, and, and be able to actually sell sales training. Um, so I used to have a boss that would often sort of quote Wolf of Wall Street and, and various different things, but uh, that wasn't really my style, unfortunately. So um, I found myself um, quickly moving over to um, Salesforce Mm. where I was selling into small, medium enterprises. Um, and the key really there at the time was about kind of trying to get a, you know, if our focus was sort of smaller, smaller organizations, but really what you wanted to do was get a company that was, a, you know, small, medium size, but was really scaling hard. And so I started to sort of research a lot of companies that were scaling at the time. It was 2014. And in London, you know, FinTech was really kicking off. I mean, if you look at the kind of the, the FinTechs that were founded um, probably in, in your group as well, between kind of 2012 to, to 2017, it's a pretty good class of, of, of fintechs. And obviously mm. we're included in that. So I would say that, but, but the, you know, you've, you've got a handful of, of great companies in there. And so they were scaling fast and, and they were a great opportunity for, for us at Salesforce to sell into to, to those organizations. And I became a little bit obsessed by the industry <laughs> uh, and I started to map out, you know, who was who I used to, software tool called xmind and you know who was who and you know see that you know one founder had founded one company had gone off and done another thing and you know started to really understand the industry and 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 that's kind of where i started to think hey there's this real emergent trend of, of new consumer finance products but at the same time um i'd seen that you know not much had been done to to help change the way that those products were being distributed to customers so it was it was very much, you know, there was new products available, you know, maybe they were had better UI, UX, they had a you know a better offer or deal for the customer, yeah. a better experience, a better culture. You know, they were essentially better products, but how were customers finding and understanding what those products were? I think not much had been done to innovate on that side. And, and that's kind of where I came up with the first idea of Bud, which was really a, an intelligent marketplace of products. Yeah. So uh, we set out to build a a uh, consumer app, which you know, prior to open banking uh, in 2015 was screen scraped. We did our own screen scraping um, and we were using that data to help to you know, give customers insight in their finance, but then make um, 
recommendations as to products and services and actions that might be most relevant. Um, and that's when to do that, you know, the regulation at the time to, to sort of create that kind of marketplace approach was was quite nascent. So we, we, we went into the first FCA sandbox and that was kind of our, uh, our inception. So it was really just a, an idea, uh, an opportunity space that, that I saw and we were just quite compelled to go and do it because I felt like if I didn't go and at least try to do it and I'd seen that someone else had, had done it and it worked, then I would, I would feel disappointed in myself in some way. So, so that was kind of what compelled me to go and do it. Yeah, really interesting. It's, it's always amazing to hear about different uh, routes into fintech. It really is varied. And, and I'd love to talk to you more about the rugby side, actually. But alas, this is not a sports podcast. It's, it's a fintech podcast. So we should, we should stick on that. Um, let's, let's talk about but itself today, then. I mean, you've talked a little bit about the origins. But um, I guess for listeners who are less familiar with your business, can you just explain the, the core proposition and I guess what problems you're trying to solve? Sure. So in the open banking space, we've taken a slightly different approach, I think, to a lot of open banking players. Kind of when I talk about it often, I sort of say, you know, in 2019, the industry really, you know, decided it would turn left. And, you know, we, we decided we were going to turn turn right. Um, and what I mean by that is a lot of the industry has been focused on, um, you know, connectivity in, in terms of, um, you know, some of the larger connectivity players focusing on, payments and, and data aggregation and, and having that, you know, across many, many regions. Whereas we, we really focused on, and it kind of comes from, you know, our, our sort of um, 2015 roots where our focus was really on how can we leverage this open new uh, data environment that exists um, to, to help customers. And so in, in 2017, when, when we decided to become B2B, come a B2B focused company, you know, our mission was still very much the same. We wanted to help other organizations to leverage um, transactional and financial data to, to kind of make recommendations for customers, make, create, you know, intelligent automation, make better lending decisions. And so, so that's really been, um, since 2017, our direction of travel, but in 2019, it was a very sort of strategic, you know, do we compete in this payments race? Mm. Um, you know, we do do payments but there's a certain way to kind of compete in that more heavily, or do we really focus on building the intelligent systems which enterprises need um, to, to, you know, actually get those jobs done for their customers? So, you know, we solve a, a bunch of problem spaces for, for our customers. So again, we're, 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 we can do things right away from, you know, giving, you know, just really accurate um, merchant identification, um, transactional classification, um, those enrichment tools that then can be used in, in their systems, mm-hmm. or we can we actually go all the way up and say, okay, we can just completely automate your lending lending decisioning, and and we can give you um, internal dashboards that that your um, lending agents can um, use if you if you still want some of that manual process. Um, you know, those, those same dashboards can be used in branch or over the phone to um, give customers. Um, you know, have better customer conversations. So that can be used by a bank, that can be used by uh, a wealth platform. Um, so there's just many different use cases of, you know, looking at this world of, of open opening up financial data and being able, helping customers uh, or, or clients even to, to leverage that. Yeah, fantastic. And as you say, lots of really interesting use cases there, and I'm sure more are gonna uh, come and be developed over time. Um, let's let's talk about open banking 
a little bit now. It's it's mm. four years old. Uh, yep. just, I think its birthday was just the other day, actually. Um, yeah. I mean, there's obviously been some 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 good progress, some good traction, but I suppose the big outstanding question really is how can we make the best of open banking? And I, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that and also your views on what the blockers are and how we might be able to overcome them to sort of help reach that potential. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I think, yeah, I mean, open banking being four years old, I think, you know, you might feel like there's, there's sometimes there's some industry chatter that, that kind of, sort of says, okay, well, you know, we're four years on and, and where are we? Um, and, you know, if we look at the amount of, um, so I guess it's worth splitting out kind of the payments piece and, and the data piece. And I think, you know, those are almost like two separate conversations and have two sort of progression lines. The payments piece is, is, is being um, altered all the time. So we've seen, you know, variable reoccurring payments come into play. Um, you know, that's starting to work where, you know, the payment space is really, you know, the PIS is really great right now for app to app payments and making those transfers. In fact, I think it probably is the best way to, to transfer money um, between your own accounts at the moment. I can't, you know, nothing is as cheap. Nothing is actually, a, if you're doing an app to app on your phone, is as good of an experience as that. Where there's some space to be done is there's a lot of work to figure out if open banking can be le leveraged for um, for sort of point of sale and, and merchant payments, mm -hmm. certainly online, it's a slightly easier route, but there are some challenges in there to do with refunds and various different things. And we speak to large retailers um, and we, we kind of um, hash out sort of different approaches. You know, I know, you know, Visa and MasterCard are working on different approaches there. And so like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that, you know, we'll continue to see the trend of more and more merchants accepting uh, open banking. It's just um, there's some work to be done on on some of the flows um, to just make that a better experience for customers. But I think we'll get there. I don't think any of those blockers are inherent. You know, there's there's not like technology that needs to be built that hasn't been built before. There's just progress that needs to be continuously made. So we've kind of opened up the floodgates, um, like any industry. You know like petrol vehicles or, or now electric vehicles, you know, the incremental change year on year, um, you know, you look you look at that over like the course of 10 years and, you know, your product's essentially completely different. And so I think we're seeing that in in open banking payments. And, and so that that will continue to progress. We we certainly need um, ABIE to, to be kind of continued to be supported and, and acting in the best interest of, of the customer, right? That's yeah. quite important. Um, and and that's what it set out to do, and it's done a really good job of that. Now it's you know it's maybe having a, a bit of a midlife crisis and figuring out where to go next. And you know we all need to be very supportive of, of that. Um, so on on the on the on the left hand side, in terms of the, the the data piece, you know the blockers there are less to do with the um, you know fundamental how open banking is implemented, and more to just do with hey look you know. Um, it takes a while for um, an industry to shift to understand the business case, the opportunity space that's created by bringing together open banking data plus the customer's own data, right? And 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 then um, the you know CRA data. There's there's lots of data that needs to be brought together to to, to start to um, realize the the opportunity here. You know, if you look at what open banking has done from a data perspective. Um, you know, you go right back where 
a lot of organizations weren't using their data really to, to make kind of smarter decisions. They weren't, they weren't, certainly weren't bringing in third party data. They maybe were bringing in some CRA data, but a lot of organizations, banks, lending um, services weren't using, you know, data they already had. They were relying on CRA data. Mm. But but actually what, what open banking has done has meant that, you know, the the walled garden of your of your customer data no longer exists. You know, your customer can move their data to wherever they please. So actually um, you need to do something with your data because somebody else can. Does that make sense? So there's kind of this yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. sort of paradox where you you have to do it now because other people can use it and they can gain a, a significant advantage um, by doing that. And actually where, where I've seen that done best today is actually not in, you know, the UK is the most progressed in terms of open banking in, in, the, in, the, in the sort of real sense. But actually, if you look at um, over in the US, the, the, the use of data through, through data aggregation um, in, in different tools and, and lending and, and things is actually almost more mature, even though the, the you know, the, the open banking market isn't, um, isn't quite as, as progressed in terms of the, the underlying technology. Mm-hmm. Um, just because it's a much more competitive market. Um, so there are fintechs um, over there, like Upstart, that have brought together many more data points um, than, than other than lenders you know, used over there. And, and they've been able to build some really great um, uh, sort of tools for their, for their clients and the, the banks they work with. So I think you know, that, that's where that's been done best. Um, but I think we're still really at the beginning of this journey if we think if i think about the customers our customers that are adopting our services you know we have like a long roadmap with um you know where we are today to you know the next two or three years of implementing you know more intelligent services step by step and then if i look further back and or, or further into the future and i look at kind of the the pipeline of customers that we're now in, that have you know we started engaging um or re, you know either engaging you know, in the last few months or, or, or re-engaged since, you know, conversations a couple of years ago, you know, I can see that, that those, those companies that have, you know, decided not to move as quickly are now seeing the opportunity. So four years on um, is really not a very long time when you, when you think about, you know, it's really the first two years of getting those APIs stable. Uh, then the second two years of actually like a few organizations proving out some use cases. Mm. Um, and, and just showing the world and their competitors, hey, I'm actually gaining a slight advantage or, or, or you know, I'm, I'm making this thing work. Um, or I can actually rely on this data to come through rather than kind of failure rates, you know, that, are, that, were, that weren't so great, you know, maybe three years ago. Um, and so now, you know, we're now sort of seeing that kind of competitive pressure um, build on the data side. So, you know, you know we've had uh, 2021 was, was a huge year for us. Without kind of going into numbers, you know, we, you know, we sort of four hundred percent contract growth, um, which was which was kind of crazy and and uh, you know very exciting for us. But you know, we we see the future, you know, continuing on that that progression. Fascinating, and I mean that's a really really interesting summary of the state of open banking. It's um, great to have that breakdown and your views on it and to hear about that growth in the last year is really exciting as well and actually I, I just wanted to zoom into your experience of being a CEO trying to scale a business particularly over the last two years which have been tricky for just about every business really what would you say you've learned in that process of 
you know, handling the various pressures that COVID has brought on, you know, you as a business leader in the last two years. What, um, what was that experience like? Yeah, I mean, it's felt like four or five years rather than two years. And, you know, time becomes a very funny thing on, on a personal note, you know, um, you know, being, you know, in the same, the same room, you know, we, we had the added pressure in our house. We were, we were, me and my wife just before, um, <laughs> just before lockdown and COVID, we, well, we got married luckily just before, but we, we also bought a house that we decided we were going to renovate ourselves, oh, wow. which was a, which, yeah, which was a nice idea um, when, you know, maybe you, you know, we weren't really there much in the week. We, we both worked pretty long hours and then, you know, um, we sort of bought into, you know, sleep in our bedroom, but, you know, do the rest of the house. But actually we turned out we were just living in a building type for two years, which, which became quite interesting. So on a personal note, you know, it's kind of, um, yeah, learning to live in dust. That was that was particularly interesting. But but ultimately, you know, the challenge for me is, you know, we we're lucky in terms of our business. You know, there was a bit of a kind of for the first sort of say three or four months of COVID. You know, we're we're client facing um, or B two B. So a lot of our customers, you know, in the lending space, you know, didn't know what was happening. You know, couldn't figure out what was happening. Um, in the industry, and you know what was what was what was happening to customer demand. That was that was very difficult. So, the knock-on impact of this, us to, to us to begin with was you know all of the projects that we were moving forward were were kind of you know either some of them froze, some of them slowed down. So you know there was a because no one's gonna you know create a new project or sign a new a, a deal when when you know they don't know what, what's happening underneath them. So there was a bit of a kind of confusion to begin with, and then very quickly everyone realized. Hey, we need to go online, and you know, you know, anything that was in branch or in person, any sort of budgets that were shifted over there needed to be focused on digitization, and and that adoption um, came came along very quickly. But it was certainly a period, and that, that was quite challenging. I find it personally quite difficult to, you know, just shift to being, you know, detached from from people, not being able to walk up to people's desk, have a conversation with a coffee machine, and. And do a lot there so, so that that's been challenging but just sort of just figuring out ways of working um you know i think we sort of run our business through signal and whatsapp and, and slack um more than we ever did um and then finding time when when appropriate given you know lockdown measures to actually meet up with people and, and have some of that face to face and and kind of have your um your teams come together at the right time i think that's been quite important um but but ultimately, you know, you know, I miss. I, I'm one of these people that I miss face to face. I don't think that um, we'll return back to a kind of uh, the very sort of linear model that existed before, which was kind of everyone in the office five days a week. I think we'll be very flexible going forward, and we'll have to see. You know, we, we we're in a you know we're fully remote now. We have we have been for two years. We've got a small sort of office in in um, Hackney that that we use as a base from time to time, but you know from you know, really, out of every eighty people, there's maybe two or three people in that office a day. Um, so, yeah, big change, but but I think you know it's been quite interesting for us as a company. But but ultimately, um, the industry shifted quite quickly, which is which has been a good thing. Yeah, absolutely, and it's been interesting to see how different businesses have changed their approaches and sort of different views on going back to the office or not. So. Yeah, interesting to hear your your perspective on that, and and I guess Bud's approach to the to the whole issue. Um, I actually want to pan out uh, again just for th this particular question. 
which is really to get your views on the fintech sector as a whole. So you know, not just open banking or, or your part of it, but a bit broader than that. Obviously, there's been um, a lot of good progress in the last year, 18 months, record investment figures here in the UK. Uh, what do you think the sort of, I mean, this is a big question and, and, and you know, take it in whichever direction you like. What do you think the big changes will be in the next, say, two or three years? What might we as consumers or or what might businesses using, you know, partnering with fintechs, what might they begin to see and experience in the next two or three years? I have a certain view on, you know, where our organization will go, and where our customers are trying to go in the direction of travel. And, you know, I think customer experience across the board, it's going to become you know, much more automated. I think we're already seeing a plethora of new types of lending tools coming to market. Mm. Um, and really that's brought about by kind of new approaches to risk. Um, you know, there's obviously some macro changes happening um, from the Bank of England and, and, and rates. Um, and, and, and we'll see, I mean, like, you know, there's, there's, two, there's two different ways that can go. You know, with any with any shift, depending on, on where we think inflationary pressure is coming from. But so it's very difficult to say um, how the lending market might change because it, it it sort of adapts. You know, um, based off of macro macro trends. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what, where we are really focused is helping our um, clients to deliver. You know, the kind of dream financial experiences to their customers. You know, the the dream we had back in twenty. Um, 15 was, you know, that a customer didn't need to be, you know, um, a sort of a finance nerd, if you will, mm. um, to to be really good with their money. You know, we, we, you know, we. My belief is that you know, really, all financial decisions are are data driven decisions. Um, there is, of course, emotive stuff that comes into that, but that's obviously personal. You can't you can't codify that. Well, maybe you can't. I don't know. We haven't figured out how to do that quite yet. Mm-hmm. Um, the, um, you know, the, the dream for us is, is that every customer has the ability to make really well-informed decisions and, and make them easily and, and that those be stress-free. You know, if you think about, you know, what the biggest impacts on our health is, you know, um, and our mental well-being is, you know, our financial life is, you know, either second or third, depending on what you read. Um, you know, first being, you know, your health, um, your physical health, um, and then second or third is your finances. You know, having, yeah. no matter what situation a customer is in, you know, whether they have a load of debt or you know they have a, a good amount of income, or you know, like I said, they live in London and they have a good amount of income, but the cost of living is is really increasing. You know, we see all this pressure, um, you know, cost cost inflation um, increasing for customers. So I think customers need to be brought more and more options to 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 basically make you know make the most of what they have, um, rather than necessarily thinking they should be making huge punts on uh, Bitcoin or other things that hey could be great but could could not work out and. You know, people need to be able to find ways to save money or, or to consolidate debt or to um, really just be more on top of their finances, which is kind of the, you know, what the aggregation dream is not really about having all your accounts in one place. 
it's it's unifying you know financial insight that that's kind of the thing that gets people to kind of the nirvana of um you know being able to 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 not stress about your life i don't think anyone wakes up in the morning sort of thinking gosh this is going to be a great day i'm going to go and take out a new loan i'm going to you know, <laughs> get a mortgage you know th- this stuff needs to be you know as 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 pain free and and as helpful as possible and i don't think the industry as a whole has got there yet i think we've made yeah. huge strides and i think in the next two years we'll sit, we're certainly going to do our bit to, to to help move that forward in terms of you know the you know we you try to think about like what's the point in all of this stuff it's really you know it's really simple you know you you want your finances to be automated up up into a point right and you don't want to have to be filling out forms and sending things off you just want to kind of be faced with a decision you know should i consolidate these loans into one loan should i swap over to this card should i um take should i should i take that money out of a, a you know investment account and pay off a um a debt or or should i you know put that money into savings you know that that you know we shouldn't have to be thinking about this stuff all the time we shouldn't have to be thinking about am i going to make rent um you know the the day is there so 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 more and more companies are are using that and and that's what i'm excited to see I, i'm you know what's been really nice is we've been working with more and more of the fintech market as our customers and and that's we're we're now seeing that kind of real adoption start to happen and and the the kind of mind shift slightly change and a lot of the kind of first wave consumer fintechs were kind of let's build everything ourselves um and i think more and more people are realizing that the true value to their customer is the most important thing not you know which bits of tech they build and which bits of tech they build so so that's been nice and i think that will help certainly move the the needle for for customers yeah brilliant um well we'll we'll, we'll see how it uh, transpires but it leads me nicely on to the last question i have for you ed which is very simply where next for you and bud what might we hear from bud over the next year or so do you think sure well what you'll certainly hear um early on is you know we're still pushing on in in this development of you know being you know the most intelligent um financial systems you know we're launching new things for our customers or our clients customers so you know being able to very quickly like I was talking about before very quickly identify what financial products a client has or doesn't have and that's really you know going towards this 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 development we've been on path that we have been on since 2019 is want to help a customer to 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 have the most accurate picture of their financial life and and we can do that as technology providers by giving our clients you know more and more tools that are simply just accessible via an api or a dashboard to 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 see what's going on with the customer's finances across you know by unifying so we but can now unify um aggregated data that that we've aggregated or that they've or been aggregated by someone else you know if they have their own service or they're using you know a different aggregator we can, we can pull that data in and unify it we can add in um the existing data that that client has so maybe their own transactional data maybe you know different data sets they have we can now bring in cra data into that and we can bring build this really accurate picture so so what we're doing is we're just launching a few more services that you know that tell um the client 
more about that customer um, and equally that allows that customer to, to get a better picture. Um, we're continuing to develop our product called Signal, which which basically automates that that notification and insights um, end. So, you know, being able to say, hey, we can see that you've, you know, what Signal can do. So, hey, we can see that, um, you know, you've got this mortgage, you've had it for the last few years. Um, here are a couple of options that you might want to think about. A, you know, we haven't seen that you have health insurance. You know, is that a consideration that might be worthwhile for you? B, um, you might want to consider um, remortgaging because, you know, you haven't done it for the last two years and usual, you know, fixed rate. So for two years, um, most of the time, th those kind of insights. And we, we can we can we can go all the way there. Right. So we can mm. that, that's a tool we can give directly to, to, our, to our clients. They can give to our customers, which is nice. Where we're going to go next beyond beyond that is, you know, 2022 for us is really about new geographies. So we've been working on regulation in a few different geographies. Those will be announced soon. Um, and we've been building out some new modules um, for different markets. So we think we've we've really established a kind of a beachhead, if you will, in, in this kind of intelligent systems world. Um, you know, we're having more and more customers coming to us that are either using, you know, have been, you, you know, using other aggregators uh, and are saying, look, I've got this data, you know, they're doing a, a good job of aggregating my data, but I need to build these systems. It's going to take me two years. So, so let's use that. So we, we've done a really good, so we can, we can kind of offer them our systems on top. And we've done a really good job of that. So for us, it's really about a couple of new services, improving the services all the time, you know, launching new signals, new insights but also just adding on some new markets now. Um, so hopefully we'll be in three new markets this year, um, which will be really exciting for us. Yeah, brilliant, exciting stuff. Um, and a good place to stop, I think. Really interesting insights there. Ed, uh, thank you so much for joining. Pleasure. Thank, thank you so much for, for having me. Well, wonderful. Well, that's about it for this episode. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Please do keep an eye out for more upcoming episodes. We do have many more conversations with fintech players planned. And of course, we have all our previous episodes available to listen to on our website. So please do take a look at our back catalogue for many more insights on fintech and financial innovation. My thanks once again to Ed Maskelvekas, CEO of Bud. Thank you, home, for listening. And do join us next time for Coffee with Innovate Finance. Bye for now. Okay, let's just hit pause.